Hello, friends, and welcome to the podcast. This is episode 59 of the Questions Podcast, where we are for reals physical distancing today because uh, it's spiritual minty freshness at a distance because cold blooded love is dialing in on FaceTime. Mark, are you there? Yes. Oh, I'm on the quarantine line, even though I'm not sick. No, we are, we are separated from one another. Or uh, I think this is the first time we've ever done this at a at a distance like this, remotely, shall we say? No, we, we've done it once before, actually. Did we? Oh, I don't remember. My goodness, yeah, my memory's many, not working very long well. Long ago, on a I I think that the quarantine is getting to my mind, so I must have forgotten that whole thing. Or real quick, what what day is it today? Today, um, oh goodness, I don't remember. I think it's Thursday. Very good. And are you still in your morning pajamas or are you switched in your afternoon, evening pajamas? I, I'm in my evening pajamas. I now. did exactly what our resident expert on social distancing told us to do. I got up this morning, I took a shower, I put on my clothes, and, uh, you know, I did the whole work thing. Well, you're at the office right now. Correct? I actually, yeah, I am. I'm sitting in my office. I am truly. Yeah, so you, it's a good thing you put on clothes because people would talk. It would be a little weird if I came here in my pajamas. Yeah, I know. I can't I know. possibly do that. Well, it's raining again, so there's probably no... Uh, you haven't been mountain biking, have you? No, I have not been mountain biking. And, uh, you know, it's been a, a topic of conversation because some people are saying, ooh, that's illegal and forbidden, or as they would say in Germany. Verboten. There you go. And I know Verboten because I used to watch Hogan's Heroes. That's important. You keep, you keep kind of drifting in and out of, uh, of sound here for some reason. It's probably my consciousness. Oh, okay. How, how am I All sounding right. now? Is I got my spectacular. Okay, good. So anyway, I know I know verboten from verboten. You know, yeah, from from Hogan's Heroes. You know, I've never seen Hogan's Heroes. I know that. I think you have it on DVD or something, right? Yes. If you want to binge watch that, your kids, I, it is timeless. Your kids think it's hysterical. And All right. Well, still we'll valuable to, lessons. We'll have to watch that one. S- since we are at a distance, I think we're going to flow right into. Uh, all of our fun little things that we do here, because you know it, it's not as it's not as easy when you're not sitting right here across the table from me. Well, I'm I'm kind of bummed because I'm going to miss that. I can't believe you said that look. Yeah, well, that is kind of a problem. Problem. It's unfortunate. Yeah. You doing okay? You have enough toilet paper at home? Yeah. Well, I, again, I told you we accidentally overbought like four week, five weeks ago on toilet paper. So, I mean. You know, we're probably down to what forty-five rolls or something, uh, and uh, I think we're going to be fine. Well, that's I, good. I think we're going to be fine. Yeah, my my wife came home with more toilet paper this morning, so apparently they were selling toilet paper at the fine establishment that she went to. So we're good. We're good. Everything's fine. Good. You know, we're out of hand sanitizer, which um, I just find if I just lick my hands, doesn't that kind of do the same thing? Yeah, I mean, I wipe it on my jeans, but my wife. Uh, who, you know, is retired recovered nurse, she she says that's not good enough. Oh, bummer. Just rub some dirt on it. That's what they always said, right? Well, I you know my theory. These kids nowadays, they don't spend enough time outside, dirty. They've used hand sanitizer, so it seems like they're allergic to everything, these kids nowadays. But, you oh, know. Oh, boy. You know, I mean, I don't know, you know. That's just my professional medical opinion that I know nothing about. mm I heard but it's a strongly creating, held conviction. I heard we're creating superbugs with all the, the, the sanitizer. You know, we totally could be. I'll tell you some superbugs. My wife planted a little victory garden in the backyard. Oh, yeah? 
and it seemed like every pest and pestilence out of Egypt has come into the garden. We have, you know what earwigs are, right? Oh, yeah, man. We used to get lots of those. But then we had the bug man come and kill them all. Okay, well, so we, I mean, quite possibly one of the creepiest looking bugs on the planet, except for the Jerusalem beetle, which I still don't know why they call it a Jerusalem beetle, but probably something out of World War Z. But anyway, um, they they were in her garden, earwigs, on the vegetables uh, or the plants, eating them to little nubs. Not good. Yeah, it's breaking my heart. I, you know, we're going to be all out of Swiss chard. Oh, boy. That's no bueno. Got to get rid of those guys. Yeah, it's all good. I'll just somehow I think I'll get past without, you know, some romaine. I'll be fine. So we're doing great. Well, that's good. Yeah. So we're everything is wonderful. So anyway, and man, you know, it's been really cool. I don't know about you, uh, but kind of I, I said I used this expression today and realized how dated I've been cruising through my Rolodex, so to speak. Ah, Yeah. Making some calls. Yeah, it is a little dated. Yeah, but I mean, you know, that's what we call it. It's kind of like when people call it tinfoil. Mm. I mean, it has not been made out of tin for many years, but my mom called it tinfoil, so I called it tinfoil. Aluminium. Aluminium foil now. Yeah, but anyway, um, just going through my electronic Rolodex, we'll call it, calling different people from the church and different, you know, acquaintances and things like that and catching up. And, you know, God's really taking care of his people. It's really cool. Truly. Super cool. So, you know, and and our loyal listeners. We do have some loyal listeners. Yes, so loyal. So um, today is um, kind of a big deal. It, this is an important day in the Christian calendar. You know, they call this Maundy Thursday. Monday. Monday Thursday. Not Monday Thursday, Maundy Thursday. Because this yeah. is the day, the traditional day that Jesus partook of the Last Supper with his disciples. And then tomorrow is Good Friday. You know, I may have a little celebratory thing at my house this evening with that. Celebratory? Or did you yes. say? Okay. No, I'm not being, I'm not to be celibate. I'm not oh, Okay. Well, it no, sounded like you on. said celebratory. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't no, know no. if that's really going to work. You're married, man. Can't do that. Yeah. I mean, you know, there you go. But, yeah. Are you so going to partake anyway. of communion on tonight? Some I think bricks, I'm going to have bread. communion tonight with my wife. I'll spend a little a time idea. praying, being, you know, extra spiritual, so to speak. And uh, I think we're going to spend some time with the Lord, and I think we're going to have a little communion together. And then tomorrow at noon is um, our Good Friday service online. Yes. I like to call it Good Friday, like Great Friday. But, great you know, Friday. It wasn't so good for Jesus, but it was great for us. The outcomes are good. Yes, it's yeah. Friday. It's kind of like childbirth. Friday. The whole situation, not so great, but the outcome is good. Yeah. 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 So, uh, hey, there was a, yeah, a lot of, a lot of really hard, there were some hard things that had to happen before there was the joy of Resurrection Sunday. That's for sure. Truly. Truly. Well, Mark, it is that time. In the news. In the news, since there's all kinds of crazy news going on, we are going to actually do something special for In the News today. We're going to uh, phone a friend. Oh. Phone a friend's phone? We're phoning. 
Your phone in? Are you phoning in? Hey, hey, we want to welcome to the Questions podcast a special guest today. Rob McCoy is a friend of mine. He's also the pastor of a Calvary Chapel in Thousand Oaks, California, which I believe is called Godspeak Calvary Chapel. He's also the yep. former mayor of Thousand Oaks. And until recently, he was also a city council member of Thousand Oaks. And uh, hey, Rob, how you doing? Good, Miles. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. You know, um, we do a little segment on the questions podcast called In the News. And I am looking here at the Los Angeles Times, the front page of the Los Angeles Times from Monday, April 6th, 2020, just this last Monday. And um, your church is highlighted on the front play page of the Los Angeles Times. And then you told me yesterday you were on the Dennis Prager program, which, of course, this is a step up from the Dennis Prager radio program. So we want to welcome you because hey, you are the news. Amen to that. Amen to that. That is a step up. Yeah. I love Dennis, but I, I adore you, Miles. You're a good brother. That's very kind of you. you know, well, I was thinking about it. We met 20 years ago when you were a junior high youth pastor, and I was a junior high youth pastor. And Mark, who is my executive pastor, he was a junior high youth pastor. We all, so now the youth pastors are in control, which what could possibly go wrong? Everything. Amen. <laughs> so, um, well, uh, yeah, welcome. Thanks. Tell you know, Rob, I'm just going to let you know. And Mark here, howdy, by the way. We, you know, perhaps we have met. Who right knows? There? But, but I'm just taking, he goes, we've got some crazy news. And then he called you. So just yeah, to know that, yeah, it, you're crazy news. <laughs> Are you there? Yeah. Can you hear us? Yeah. What happened? I don't know. I don't know what happened. Did we lose you for a second? This is I weird was technology. I was talking. I know that. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm here. Well, maybe we're all just getting shut down. So, um, so we do have a question and it has to do with the front page news article in the Los Angeles times. Somebody texted in the question here. And the question is why are churches still meeting during the, during this claiming constitutional rights? Isn't this disobedience to the government and against Romans 13? And from the um, news story here, uh, you guys gathered, your church gathered not for services, but for communion and you did something special for it. So why don't you share with us a little bit and maybe if you got some thoughts on that question. Yeah, very common question to be asked, actually. Um, it's one that, well, I'll get into that momentarily, but you asked me to kind of share what we did um, uh, with with uh, the communion. Yeah. So in California, and I, at the time, I was uh, an elected official, and uh, the state of California, the county of Ventura, uh, both decided that uh, cannabis Distributor, distributors were essential, um, liquor stores were essential, uh, abortion clinics were essential, but the church wasn't essential. Abortion clinics, um, liquor stores, cannabis dispensaries, the food, the supermarkets could remain open if they followed the CDC guidelines. And in accordance with the constitutional rights that we've been given, we followed the CDC standards. And to us, we, the, the, the government doesn't dictate what is essential. Uh, I do not bemoan the fact that folks feel as though cannabis is essential to them. In a pluralistic society, in a constitutional republic, I support their access to that and their belief in that. In the 6,000 years of recorded history, every government's been an oligarchy. The few rule the many. We've had a 244-year exper uh, experiment in, in the most liberty the world has ever known in the United States of America, because it's a constitutional republic. 
And when someone quotes to me Romans 13, where it says, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, what they, what they don't realize, and they probably haven't been educated on, is that the sovereign, the authority in America is found in the first three words of the preamble of the Constitution. We the people. We the people. And the Constitution was designed to protect us from government. God designed government, but he knew it was a necessary evil. And the idea is we have created a Constitution that protects the individual rights of humanity, that we have the ability uh, these are, these, are, these are inalienable rights endowed by our creator, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, among others. And, and it's the only – in the Constitution, four times God is, is pointed out that rights don't come from man. They come from God. Our founders took into consideration Romans 13, and they put the authority in the hands of the people. So when you have an elected official in accordance with our government – they govern by consent of the authority, which is the people. And they, they, they have responsibilities to protect that are outlined in that constitution. And, and in Ventura County, just to give an example, we have governing authorities that if, if, if they're not held accountable and God has placed you in that position of authority, you have the responsibility to protect your community and to protect the rights given by God. In, in Ventura County, a handful of elected people have decided that a virus that has affected less than one-third of 1% 1 of the entire population of Ventura County, one-third of 1% 1 has contracted uh, uh, COVID-19. Of those that have died in Ventura County, it's, it's one one-thousandth of 1% 1 of the entire population, yet we have completely decimated businesses decimated families, created unbelievable unemployment, and we have violated our constitutional rights, and nobody is questioning or challenging it. And, and when you say subject to the governing authorities, it goes further. It says, for there is no authority except from God, for the authorities that exist are appointed by God, and therefore whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. Because it says, for rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do what is good, and you'll have praise the same. All I'm saying is I want these, these individuals that are governing by consent. It's my authority. It's your authority as the sovereign in America. And if they aren't doing what is right, hold them accountable. That's why you have the Second Amendment. It goes on further to say in Romans 13 that, that they carry a sword. It, it says that they're, they're ministers of justice to execute wrath on those who would do evil. And, and the idea is, you know, power wants to concentrate. Power wants to concentrate. And anything that takes authority over God, it, it's just the Tower of Babel. This is the most amazing experiment in the history of the world when we've had freedom of religion and nobody educates and the pulpits are silent and we're losing a constitutional republic and the nations that are responsible for 80 cents on every dollar in evangelism is about to turn out the lights because a virus came along and everyone surrendered and, and nobody cares. And, and this, is, this is the question I would have. Surrendering your constitutional rights 
allowing the government to say that the church is not essential, and then watching a nation come to a place where you have Auschwitz, Birkenau, Treblinka. Where are you on that spectrum? Germany used to be, uh, uh, before World War II, they were unbelievably enmeshed in the gospel. But, but where, where are we on that scale? What are you willing to give up? Benjamin Franklin said, anyone who gives up their liberty for the sake of security deserves neither. The Apostle Paul in Galatians said, stand fast, therefore, in the liberty for which Christ has set you free. So, Rob, how do you see, just from a pastoral standpoint, and then also from, you know, you've had some kind of, you dipped your toe in the political standpoint as well, being a mayor in Thousand Oaks and then having served on the city council. How do you see the church kind of navigating through some of these things in the coming weeks and months? I mean, obviously at this point, pretty much every church that I know of is doing services online. And uh, I think you guys are still doing services online, other than the, the worship service that you had for communion this last Sunday. So uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I I think that the church has been unbelievably creative, and I think God has used the internet in a profound way uh, because people are hurting, and they're they're looking for hope. And I do not fault a single pastor in the country for whatever they're choosing to do because they have that freedom under the First Amendment. Mm-hmm. When when our founders made the, the people king, and as Benjamin Franklin said, we've given you a, a republic if you can keep it. When they, made, when they made the people the king, we the people, every king needs a counselor. The president has his cabinet. Kings have his counselors. And so our founders gave the king in America counselors, and they did it in the First Amendment. The freedom of the press, the freedom of religion, the freedom of speech, and the freedom to peaceably assemble for right of redress of grievances. And the idea is the press would seek out the truth and hold these people in authority accountable. The pulpits would preach truth and be unashamed. And and people would assemble and have the right to do it. And they have the right to abolish that government anytime it usurps those inalienable rights. But, But if the press is silent and the pulpits are willing to say that the church is not essential, The Bible says, speak the truth in love. Love without truth is hypocrisy, and truth without love is brutality. We're going to find conflict. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. We all want people to like us. We want the community. We want to reach them with the gospel, but be careful we don't truncate the gospel. Where we think we boil it down to the simple aspect where it says, I believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you believe in your heart, confess with your tongue, Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. God bless you, I see your hand. That is not what God commanded us to do. He commanded us not to make converts, but disciples. How now that shall we then live? What, 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 how is it that, that you, we're, we're here in the Passover season, the most critical week in Christendom, where we have Palm Sunday and, and Good Friday and, and Easter Sunday? Am I going too long? Or? No, no. Go ahead. Okay. So here we are in this critical week that encompasses Passover. Passover is fascinating in relation to how our founders came about looking at, at this constitutional republic. You had three to five million Jews enslaved in Egypt. 
That means that they were working all day, getting paid nothing, and they were benefiting an oligarchy and an elite. They cried out to God in the bondage of that slavery, and God sent Moses. Moses comes, and he goes before Pharaoh, and he says, he repeats God's word, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, who is God that I should obey him? God brings plagues. Three of those plagues not only affected the Egyptians, but they also affected the Israelites. Finally, Pharaoh relents from his, having his boot on the neck of humanity and enslaving another human being. That by the mighty hand of God, they're released. The, and, and, as, and as the angel of death on the last plague, this angel of death goes through the city to kill the firstborn. And this is where we get the symbolism and the beauty of, of, our, of our celebration, that Christ is the, the sacrificial lamb. He is this Passover lamb. And, and, and when the angel does it, he pass over it. And, and God wants people to be covered in the blood of Christ, but he doesn't want humanity enslaved. In the heart of every human being is a cry for liberty. Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so these three to five million Jews, by the mighty hand of God, exit this slavery and they celebrate this Passover meal, which is the same as our communion. And when they get into the wilderness, miracle after miracle, their shoes don't wear out for 40 years. Their clothes don't wear out for 40 years. They're, there's food provided where there isn't any every morning, water where there isn't water. Quail are blown off course to get the meat. And, and, and Moses goes up on Mount Sinai and he gets a downloaded moral app. The first five commandments is our relationship with God, and the second five is our relationship with each other. That's community. Aristotle said, Politics is the highest form of community because it encompasses morality and sociability, how you get along. And so we honor God and we honor each other. And the, and the fifth commandment was a flip. That's honor thy mother and father. Not only do we honor the Lord, but we honor our earthly parents. The building block of all society is family. And then all the miracles I just listed, I'll leave you with this. Of all the miracles I listed, the one that we neglect is that three to five million Jews lived together for 40 years without a standing army or a police force because they had moral law. And, and, and people say, you know, we're saved by grace, and we are. But the point of the law, as we see in Galatians, is that it's a school teacher to keep us safe and to point us to Christ until faith comes. And we've neglected applying the law to our public square and advocating. We've allowed them to relegate us to the four walls of a building and we call it a church. God never called it a church. He called it an ecclesia, an assembly. He co-opted a secular term from the Greeks, which was a political term. He could have said synagogue. He could have said temple. He used a secular term. And he was saying that you, you are, you're going to be this this leaven to cause the, the nation to rise to God's glory. Infuse yourself in every nook and cranny of society. Are you and, seeing that happen in the midst of all of this with your church? I mean, obviously you have some people who are reaching out through the process of, or through everything that's going on in the social distancing. How's the church reaching out? The, the church is killing it. I mean, they're doing great. Yeah. I, 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 um, I want to be very respectful, but suffice it to say, uh, it, 
Winston Churchill said, the thing that, that I love about America is that their politics is about truth, but in Europe, politics is about power. He says, I, I, I'm worried for the day when America becomes about power. I've had an, uh, unbelievable opportunities and, and have witnessed the gospel impacting profoundly elected officials because they couldn't fathom why somebody would surrender their seat willingly. Mm-hmm. And it opened the door for me to testify about Christ. That's because you. Uh, no one is going to. Because you Jesus resigned. Jesus is the most. Yeah, guys, I resigned. Jesus is the most essential person in all of humanity, and in all of history. No one will relegate him to non-essential. If we say that communion is not essential, which is a representation of Christ, and we allow them to say the church is not essential. Why in the world would people believe that we think Christ is essential? What kind of response have you been having with some of the uh, elected officials that you have contact with in the process of stepping aside and resigning? A tremendous. I've, I've had conversations with every one of the council members, say but for one. Um, I've had conversations with, uh, well, I have to be real careful because it's, it's private conversation, but... Right all the way up to the state capitol to the highest offices in the land have are mindful of what's taken place. That this is, this has resonated uh, uh, across the country in many respects and, um, and, and pretty amazing conversations, but I didn't do it for that reason. Yeah. I, I did it because Christ is essential. Amen. Well, we're definitely praying for you, Rob, through the midst of all this. Thank you. Praying for your church, and may the Lord be glorified in the midst of it. You know, there's balance in all of it. We want to take our constitutional rights and and almost banter them about abusively. Um, but but God wants us to do it in humility, and and so we took a sanctuary that held, that holds 400 chairs. And we put 10 chairs in there. We did social distancing. We had tape on the ground six feet apart to the point where the Ventura County Sheriff's came out. And I called them in advance to let them know. If we're in violation of CDC standards, shut us down. They said that we, we, we were the cleanliest. Um, uh, we, we abided by the CDC standards better than anyone else they had seen in the county. Well, that's good. And yet we're still not essential. Well, we'll see what the Lord does through all of it, because obviously we have a big, big um, celebration, although it's online this weekend, doing everything for Easter. So praying that the Lord will be glorified in the midst of it and that he'll bring many people to himself through it. I mean, we're seeing some people tune in to our broadcast here who, you know, probably wouldn't darken the doors of a church, but they're coming online and they're sending us messages. So we're, we're thanking the Lord for that. And it seems to me like for the first time, because... Pretty much everything in the marketplace has been happening online for the last 25 years. And in a lot of ways, the church has just been absent from that because most churches are just not involved in that. But now this has forced the church to uh, to step into that marketplace in a way that is uh, is a real blessing. Yeah, amen. Through that, I, I, I was talking, and, and people think this is dominionist theology, and I'm not, I'm not going to speak of the seven mountains of cultural influence based on any Christian writer. 
I want to qualify that. Uh, I'm going to point out the seven mountains of cultural influence based on secular observation of what moves culture. Don't, don't read more into that. That's, that's not my world. I'm not a name it, claim it dominionist. Yeah. But you were talking about the church entering into the world of media. And, and I get a kick out of that because we stand back and we, we look at a man who is president of the United States and we think, how did that guy get there? He's, he's caustic. He's bombastic. He's, he, you know, he's been three times married, twice divorced. And I, I used to say to, to pastors, look, I get it. But if you have a problem with him being in office, you've got to take Samson out of the Hall of Faith because there's nothing moral about Samson's life. He's right. in a prostitute's bed all night, and the Spirit of the Lord comes upon him. I, I can't teach that in Sunday school. Yeah. <laughs> but Judges 14.4 says, Judges 14.4 says what Samson's parents didn't realize is God was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. Samson was equipped to do what God's people weren't, confront those that invaded and to deal with it. He, he was a warrior. So you look at a guy like Trump and these seven mountains. The seven mountains, secularly speaking, our arts and entertainment, media, business, education, politics, family, and religion. And and you look at you, you look at how the president's equipped. In business, the Trump brand is world renowned. In arts and entertainment, he had the number one television show in America. In media, he has dominated the the the, the world of, of of the tweet. He has the most influential Twitter account probably in the world. Um, you, you look at politics. He took out 16 Republican candidates and, and the most heavily funded Democrat candidate in history of, of our nation. You, I'm just going down the line to say that it is, it is wise for the church to be equipped in these mountains. And what you said, Miles, epic. It's great that the church is starting to realize what, what the secular progressive world has already dominated, mm. and that's media. We become complacent and lazy, and we've got to wake up. Very true. Well, I think maybe some of this is waking people up, so that's a good thing. And gosh, I really appreciate um, what you have to say, Rob. I really do. Um, One of the things that has really been a little bit of a a thing for me is I really don't want the church. Can you hear me? Yeah, for some reason it's cutting out every time you're talking, Mark. I don't know what's going on. I'll be quiet. I just said thanks for letting me blow all right, Rob, we'll, we'll get back with you, man. All right, bless you guys. Thanks. You too, thanks. Bye. Well, we had some technical difficulties there at the end of the phone call, but um, for some reason we can't have both you and him talking at the same time when we have two different phone systems going in. So next time we got to do that when you're in the office here, Mark, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like I said, it may have been God's grace. You never know. Well, but so your thoughts on that, you were sharing some things there just for a moment that didn't get recorded, but, um, you know, I thought there were some some beneficial things that you were saying. Well, first of all, I really appreciate the fact that Rob has really thought this through, right. and not just just not just not to the you know to the uncomfortable parts, but the whole solution to this. And he brings up a really important point, and uh, I think you know for our listeners, he's educating people, he's teaching them like you know, there's a lot they don't teach in school mm-hmm. about how our government is put together, and it's easy to forget. Right. And one of the points that he made is really, really important is, this, yes, the Romans 13 thing is important, um, 
But we have to remember that we're a government of we the people. So it's not necessarily the politicians that are in charge. Yeah. It's we the people. And so um, as the government steps over the line with some of these things, I think they have stepped over the line. I don't think anybody can disagree with that. And, and, and I understand also that, you know, whenever something goes down, we're going to do an imperfect job. The government's going to yeah. do an imperfect job. Well, and I think uh, one of the other this. things, one of the other things that's worth thinking about is that a lot of people who are in political office and, and Rob kind of mentioned this, um, you know, they don't, they're there. They want to stay in power. They want to stay in the position. They don't want to lose that position. And if they happen to tell people, hey, go back to work, go back to church, go back to doing all these things, and one person dies, you know that the news media is going to just annihilate those people and say, well, so look at what you did. You sent these people back in, and they're now they're getting sick again. And so in one sense, it's kind of like it motivates some people in positions of authority and power to just say, hey, let's let's stay up in our homes indefinitely, which is just not possible. I mean, we can't, we can't stay in our homes yeah. forever. Exactly. I agree 100%. And I mean, you know, I were the other day we're talking about the president and, you know, uh, that guy, whoever the president was through this is going to get criticized. You would agree, correct? Anybody in any place of authority. Yeah. I mean, if the president two weeks into this had ordered a quarantine and had everybody shut in their houses two weeks into this, people would have screamed martial law, you know, bloody murder. Right. I mean, so he, you know, anybody in authority is kind of in a no-win situation. Yeah. And I, I think they're, you know, three weeks ago, they were telling us we were ridiculous fools if you wanted to wear a mask, if they're of no use and no help for everybody. And now they're telling you, you know, the you Riverside your house, the other yeah. day was telling us that um, you're going to get arrested or ticketed if you're outside without a mask in Riverside County. So, you know, there's a lot of varying information out there. Well, so this is certainly. I, I really appreciated Rob's well thought out uh, defense of that, and I think really shed a lot of light on things. And, and well, it's certainly you know, an unprecedented time that we're kind of going through. No one really knows how do you how do you navigate this whole situation when this is like entirely new. And I mean, prayerfully, we're going to see you know eventually a uh, a vaccine for this, and eventually other therapeutic drugs for this to try and deal with it. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of other people that are hurting, not because of the virus, but they're hurting because, like, I was reading an article here the other day. It says small businesses are almost out of time, and it matters to all of us. So the fact that 59 million people in America are employed by a small business, and we're already seeing some people in our own church that are losing their jobs because there's no business going on. So how do you carry on a small business when there's absolutely no business? So, I mean, we are praying that God would bring about a resolution to this entire thing, but in the midst of it, we like we were talking about in Deuteronomy, the leading up to this whole crisis happening. Uh, we we need people who are wise in positions of leadership and power, and we need to pray for people, whether they're on the left or the right, that they have some wisdom in this whole thing. Right, right. And we've, you know, I know you and I have had, you know, a lot of talks back and forth about is this a good time to open the church? Is this a bad time to open right. the church? And and so you know, I'm sure. Sooner or later, we're going to make a decision that's not, you know, in hindsight will not be, you know, pay out like we'd want it to. Right. But I mean, it's one of those things where you just have to really pray and seek the Lord and uh, I think exercise wisdom and seek counselors in it. Uh, amen. Yeah. And I, I, you know, we have to just tell our listeners, hey, be praying, praying for those who are in positions of authority and leadership, whether they're in the church or in the politi- politics, to pray that we have wisdom. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, you know, 
on on my my top five things of that I pray for on a daily basis, and you know the winning lottery numbers are not them. Um, <laughs> is wisdom to have right. wisdom, and Amen. I think uh, we can look at Solomon and know that if we ask for wisdom, we pray for wisdom, we will receive it if we are putting ourselves in a place to to listen to what that wisdom is from the Lord. Well, why don't we hit on a few of these questions, and uh, you know we don't have to go through all of them because we've uh, had a pretty long segment there, but. Um, questions for the questions podcast. Yes. Let's go to number one. The Catholics wear a cross with Jesus on it, which they say reminds them of his suffering for them. We wear a plain cross. What does our cross symbolize? Super great question, especially since tomorrow is Good Friday and the day in which Jesus hung on the cross. See, I thought they were talking about the cross connection cross. Well, we have a pretty sweet cross, I think if I do say well, so myself. Well, when I look at that cross, I'm like, we're the first Panzer division of church. Oh my gosh, don't we're say amazing. that. It's only going to get us into trouble, I'm sure. I, I, I love our cross. But actually, if you could only see my face, Mark, if you could only see my face. cross that the Christians use? Uh, it's very similar to, I mean, the, the some of the earliest Christian symbols were a, an equidistant cross, so that all sides were the same length. Um, more like a plus sign. Yeah, more like a plus sign. So, so ours so, is like an outline of the plus sign. Yeah, it's kind of like that. It's the cross yeah. connection cross. We like it. But we're not getting I any like tattoos it. of it because we don't we don't really like tattoos. So no, uh, well, uh, I don't like I don't like spending money on stuff, and I don't like needles. So the Catholic crucifix definitely reminds those who are of the Roman Catholic persuasion of the suffering of Christ, which we all want to remember his passion for us that he died in our place on the cross, and we have a cross without Jesus on the cross because we are remembering that the cross is empty, the tomb is empty, and Jesus has ascended into heaven. And he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, and one day he will return for his church. So um, that's why our, church, our cross doesn't have Jesus on the cross. Right. It's, um, I had heard a statement one time from a pulpit. I'll have you weigh in on this. It said mm. people, people didn't start wearing crosses until the last person had remembered actually seen one in use. Um, mm. And I thought that was a kind of a powerful statement because yeah, it is. Um, this is the time of year when we remember the cross, but we really as Americans in the 21st century, um, we've never seen a cross really in use. Well, maybe in the, the passion is a, right. a pretty close depiction of it. Uh, and I, I, but it, it's, it's, it's horrible. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's terrifying. Yeah, it is terrifying. I mean, I, I read a, a, um, document that a doctor had put together a number of years ago. Maybe you've seen this where he goes through the whole crucifixion and he Correct. talks about the various aspects of what the crucifixion actually means for a person and, and how it would affect their body and the suffocation that would take place. I, I, we just can't even comprehend the, the ghastliness to use a, a strange word of the cross. I, I mean, it is horrific what the cross really was all about. And uh, I think you're right. If we, if we had a real grasp on what that was all about, um, it, it would affect us a little bit more. So uh, it's pretty heavy. Yeah, and I, I really appreciated last week, David uh, Guzik, um, when we were asking the question, like, where do you put your head? When you go to take communion, what do you think about? Where's your head and where's your heart? And uh, David talked about that. I think it's a really great place to center on when we actually think of communion, what was leading up to that, and right. especially on, on this resurrection weekend as we celebrate that. Truly. So, um, yeah, our cross symbolizes uh, the, just that we 
typically don't have a crucifix because uh, we believe Jesus is in heaven. Mm-hmm. We know that. Amen. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, number two, Jesus healed all. Are we supposed to pray for everyone for Jesus to heal them all? Uh, can we pray for someone who is sick, has a disease, etc., that God's will be done, or do we have to pray for their healing? Question mark. This is a very uh, detailed question here. So Pretty so, specific. Yeah, I mean, there is a group of people, generally of the more charismatic Pentecostal persuasion, that that look at the passage in Isaiah 53, um, where, you know, Jesus is born our griefs and by his stripes we are healed. And they say that there's a universal healing that takes place in every person, that every person is healed. So I think that's probably where this idea of Jesus healed all, because in the Gospels, he, he didn't heal all people. In fact, one of the passages that comes to mind is found in, I believe it's in Mark chapter 6, where Jesus was in his own hometown of Nazareth, and there was a group of people that he did not heal. There were many people he did not heal, and uh, he marveled at the unbelief of the people. Now, some people stretch that out to say that he didn't heal people because of their unbelief, and may- maybe that's true. But um, unfortunately, you can get into a, a, a thinking on that, that some people say, well, the, per- the reason a person continues to be sick is because of their faith. And I think that that's a real dangerous area to be in. But we do know from the Gospels, there were some people that Jesus did not heal. So um, to say that Jesus healed all, I would say that, no, I'm not really sure that that's the case. Um, now, I don't know about you, Mark. Well, I mean, I, I can assume a lot because you and I have prayed for people before, but I, I don't know if you pray for every single person to be healed entirely when we're, when we're praying for the sick. I mean, we pray. It's our will that they would be healed. We don't know what God's will is, so we pray, God, heal this person. If it's your will, that's what we want, but we don't know. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously you and I get called into different situations as pastors and, you know, I've been, right. we've been doing this a while and even before I was a pastor, you know, going to go home visits and pray for people. And so, I mean, if I enter a room and let's say there's a, a sweet old saint there, a believer, and they're, you know, been battling with pain, with cancer and, and all these things, um, I, in God's economy, I, I don't know if them snapping out of that and getting healed and getting out of the bed, I, I don't know if that's if what God wants. And, and many times that sweet old saint is saying, no, Lord, take me. I want to go be with you. Mm. And so I preface it is that we're asking for your, your, your will in this prayer, Lord. And if your will is for this person to go home, we ask you to do it quickly and as painlessly as you can right. for this, for this, this saint in, um, and then, you know, sometimes you're going to go pray for somebody who's not a believer. And we, I pray that God would share himself with them on their deathbed and that, uh, uh, they would accept him, uh, even, you know, and I try to obviously share Christ with that person. So there's a lot of different situations. You're not always, you know, if you're, if you're 90 years old and you're, you're dying of cancer and you're in terrible pain, I don't think, uh, I don't think it's not being merciful if you go to be with the Lord. I yeah. think there's great mercy in that. And I think one thing as believers that we forget because we get so wound up on life is we are never so healed, perfectly healed, and so in, in healthy as when we're going to be sitting at the feet of Jesus. Right. And these bodies are gone. That's the ultimate so, healing. That's healed. So that's, that's, that's totally healed. So I'll take that any day of the week. Agreed. So, 
Um, but yes, in faith, you know, and uh, I have no problem asking for obviously healing for somebody and talking specifically about what I am asking the Lord to do in the situation warrants. I think we see, you know, Jesus talking to the the fig tree and saying it, it for it to wilt and it wilts and he right. names it by name. And so I have no issue with that, but I, 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 I definitely agree with you. The explanation that people give, well, perhaps that person wasn't healed because they didn't have enough faith. Um, I think that's a very dangerous theology right? Yeah, me and too. people can be taken advantage in that. And I, I think that that's just not true because Paul was not healed of his afflictions. That's and right. He had yeah. just a little bit of faith. A little bit. I think. I think you're right. Yeah. More more than Mark does. So mm. anyway, so he's he's a pretty amazing guy. So anyway, there's my thoughts. There you go. Okay. Um, number three, how can we have funeral services during the crisis? <laughs> well, well, we haven't had any phone calls yet for a funeral service that I know of. So that's we that's actually good. had one. Oh, uh, did we? We could. They. Uh, I felt really bad. These people were not associated with the church and um, they, they wanted to do, you know, a memorial with a bunch of people in uh, the sanctuary, yeah. but we just, there's no way we could do that. Yeah. Right now um, we just can't. Couldn't, couldn't so I mean, it, so. like a memorial service, we can, we can delay a little bit, wait till we can come back together. Um, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, but there's yeah, a lot but of until then, right no, now. not, we can't really do that. So, yeah. That's Have why you been praying. asked to go to the hospital yet and pray for anybody? No, they won't let you in. Okay, I didn't think so. Yeah, you so, can't if you're um, if you're not sick or staff, you can't get into the hospital right now. Wow. Although I did read this great article on it was actually in the New York Times. It was talking about the chaplains in New York City who were um, being with those who were sadly suffering and uh, dying in the midst of this whole thing. So it was a cool article about the chaplains. Yeah, I. I Wish they would let us in, if needed. Yeah, we so down. I'm down to yeah, go absolutely. visit people. Okay, number four, and then uh, maybe we'll call this our last question for the day. Okay, um, we're all about connection, but I feel pretty disconnected. <laughs> I don't like it! Exclamation point! I am with you. Whoever sent yeah, this? Yeah, seriously. In. How can we stay connected? How can we stay spiritually and emotionally healthy in lockdown? Question. Boy, well, I guess one of the ways we're staying connected is Zoom and FaceTime and phone calls and text messages and emails and live streaming on the Internet. So, I mean, part of me is really grateful that we have all this technology to be able to stay connected because if we, if we were in a different situation 20 years ago, I, we just wouldn't be able to do that. So phone calls, about it. Yeah, and I, you know, I mentioned earlier that I'm going through and I'm calling people, and I'll tell you, a lot of these normally would be a three-minute phone call ends up being a 15-minute phone call, yeah. and I'm totally, I'm glad. I'm, I'm blessed that I can sit down and talk and pray with people and see how they're doing, and I can do that from my cell phone. And boy, what a, what a blessing that is. Right. And uh, yeah, and then uh, some people are actually out serving the Lord, and uh it's been really cool that some of our helpers, people who volunteered, are out buying, getting groceries. Groceries for people, yeah. Yeah, and so I got to have a little talk with one of our people, even Bobby and uh, today, and uh, Leith, that she's out doing grocery shopping for some people, and Scott, and, and Sue, and mm -hmm. so I'm, gosh, I'm just so blessed. Our people are so cool. They're out doing that, and uh, 
So, Mark, how oh, are man, you? How are I hate you grocery staying? shopping. I'm going to be honest with you. Well, there you go. How are you staying spiritually and emotionally healthy in the lockdown? Mark, my, me, myself, yeah, and I? Yeah. Uh, I am, uh, I get up a little earlier than everybody else in the house. Yeah. And so uh, that's pretty much a habit with me. I get up early, I make coffee, and I sit down and I'll uh, open up the Word. Uh, sometimes I've really enjoyed lately some of the things that Stream in the Desert also had, that devotional. Yeah. A lot of things in there that really seem to pertain to what we're doing. And so between that and the Word, and I, I like to spend time praying and just that alone time. And then I'm really blessed that I have a... a a super godly wife and uh we get to sit around and we have that morning coffee time together anyway but just to kind of consider what's going on with people and to be real honest with you there's still a lot of ministry that's going on at my house because my wife is running the prayer thing and so um when we get a request we're praying for people and answering them back and uh uh i tell you it's been a just a it's kind of a little bit like for me personally been like when a ship goes through a storm and everything's bolted down and everything's good. Um, uh, you're blessed, you know, you're going to get through that. And so we've been doing that and again, calling people, spending time with the Lord and then spending a special time each day in, for me, in appreciation of how he's taking care of my family and so many people at the church, acknowledging those things with our lips and, and I bring that before him. So, I'm kind of a, you know, a God brown noser a little bit. Is that a term? <laughs> no, but you just made one. Okay. So I, I, yeah, I like to always tell God just how much I appreciate him. Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, I'm listening to the scriptures like I do every single day with uh, the listening plan, you know, little promo there, little plug. And there you I'm, go. I'm working on a new thing that we'll be launching in about a week and a half called the daily OT, which is going to be old Testament readings, kind of like the uh, little listening plan. And then just spending time in the word and in prayer. Um, you know, I, for a long time, there's been a lot of Christians for many, many years who have, uh, gone and kind of secluded themselves just with the Lord and their, their walk with the Lord just strengthens and grows in the midst of that. So this is kind of like a, a forced sabbatical and seclusion with the Lord. So maybe take advantage of it. Yeah. I think it's important to discipline yourself to not, the situation calls for stillness Yeah, and to not try to be busy during a time that God has ordained to be still. Uh, while I still want to be busy of the things of the church and, and those things, uh, I'm definitely spending a lot more time sitting down and considering. And, right. uh, you know, I see you post a picture from your backyard once in a while, just kind of considering, you know, God's creation and mm -hmm. what he's doing. And yeah. uh, I think this is a time to, to you know, do that. An Another thing I'm really time. praying for, yeah. and I'm sure you are too, is, is um, as our you know, our overactive or our over busy schedules are on hold a little bit is asking the Lord to share with me new and inventive and exciting ways to share the gospel with people and what the church is going to look like as we come out of that. So right. I'm, I'm asking for that. And so, um, we'll see. And I think that's what downtime is for getting away to be with the Lord for him to kind of download things on you. So we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Well, um, and cleaning your garage, of course. Yeah, no, no. I can I can park in my garage. Not many people can, but I can. So that's good. I, my my garage is mostly clean. My my garage. I for the first time I could park in my garage, and then about two weeks later, 
Uh, my son and my daughter-in-law moved in, which has been great because they bought a house. And uh, so uh, my son's junk is in the, the garage now, so cars are outside. But I'm Very loving good. it. Well, on this Maundy Thursday with Good Friday coming up tomorrow, I, uh, I stumbled across this. Actually, a friend of mine sent me this tweet from uh, Jerusalem, from the Old City. Mark, you've been to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre in the Old City, right? Yes, I have. Unforgettable. It's a, it's a pretty amazing place where it's one of the one of the believed potential sites for where the crucifixion happened, and there's a tomb there, so they think that maybe that was the place that Jesus was buried. There's there's two kind of spots in Jerusalem that people go to, and one of them is the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, which is a church has been built on top of this place, and for the first time since the year 1349, the church oh. was closed and locked up the other day. So for the first time since 1349, when the bubonic plague was happening, the church has been closed because of the coronavirus. And here's the interesting thing. I mean, you've been there, so you've seen it. The church is uh, basically controlled or taken care of by five different groups of Christians, five different sects of Christians. So you have the Orthodox and you have all these different groups of people there, the Coptic Christians. And here's the amazing thing, Mark. The guy who holds the keys because all of these five Christian groups are unable to, uh, they don't get along so well. So the guy who holds the, the keys to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre when it gets closed up is a Sunni Muslim. Really? So when the Christians don't get along, it's a Sunni Muslim that holds the keys. Because he's not letting anybody in. <laughs> Since the 7th century, a, a Sunni Muslim family has held the keys of the church. Really? Yep. Yep. Well, it was crazy because we, how long has, um, well, I know we've come out of, you know, obviously our, our Calvary roots there, Calvary Chapel Escondido, but we've been a church for what, almost 30 years? Oh, no, 40 years. 40 years, okay. Yeah. And, you know, four Sundays ago, was that was the first Sunday we had not been open. Yeah, that's kind of true. Yeah. And then uh, one of the churches here in Escondido, Emmanuel Faith, I think it's 80 years. Yeah. They had never had a Sunday where they were closed. There you go. You know what else? But we're I still about? we're still not closed on Sunday, right? You know what else I thought about? Huh. This would be a really good time to remodel the bathrooms of the church. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not a bad idea. <laughs> we should take nobody's using them. So, any of our yeah. listeners, if you're a plumber and you want to come and help us remodel. <laughs> oh my gosh, we could use it. That's that's the one that we're, we're, we're we've started at one end of the church and we're working our way to the other to get everything remodeled. And the, last the bathrooms spot. are a, a high use item. You don't shut those down during the service. No, that's for sure. All right, oh, well, episode fifty nine of the Questions Podcast coming to an end. Mark, do you have any finally final words for us? You know, be still and know that I am God. Amen. All right. Sounds good. And we will see you tomorrow at Good Friday, noon on live.lifeandconnection.com. And then again on Sunday for Easter Sunday, live.lifeandconnection.com. Make sure you share that with your friends and invite them to church at home, church online. Super glorious. God bless you all and peace out. Wow.